It's a trap! Hello and welcome to Radio TCX, your weekly source for X-Wing news and strategy. I'm Tim Dugan, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Carson Ray. Hey, everybody. It is a great day to talk about some X-Wing. And John McDermott. Hello, hello. And this week, we, uh, you know, we picked a topic so good last week that we decided to record two podcasts about it. Look, Tim, I already took full responsibility for losing those episodes and apologized to Lord Vader, okay? <laughs> no, the funny thing about that was is people didn't know John wasn't going to be able to be on that one, so you didn't actually have to take responsibility. It could have been you or John. Well, you tagged yeah. me in it, so I guess <laughs> I'm taking responsibility for it. It's fine. Cool, 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 cool. We are very sorry we missed last week's episode. We recorded a great, I think it was like a 35-minute episode, and then unfortunately one of the audio files was lost, but this week we're back and we're more prepared than ever to talk about the topic of drawback abilities in X-Wing. So good. Best episode we ever recorded. Yeah, lost, the truly lost episode. This one's not coming back except for, I guess, just my audio track I could release someday by itself. That's the only part people listen to. I know. <laughs> Sometimes I just edit it down. It's just me. Um, yeah, so this week we're going to be talking about drawback abilities in X-Wing. We were inspired by two of the upcoming cards from the Sky Strike Academy Squadron pack, uh, specifically Sienna Ree and Darth Vader, featuring abilities that have some pretty strong benefits but have a little bit of a cost to them. So we were going to look at other X-Wing pilot cards and upgrade cards and look at other uh, significant examples of drawback abilities in X-Wing. Yeah, so let's get right to it. So a good place to start would probably be by defining exactly what we're talking about when we talk about drawback abilities. Right, and there's a lot of different kinds of drawback abilities. They they have a wide range of really minor setbacks to some more substantial setbacks. Yeah, and it's we're, what we're talking about today when we say drawback abilities is we're talking about something kind of substantial. Obviously, there are a lot of abilities in X-Wing that have like small drawbacks, um, anytime an ability has a cost of, you know, you gain a stress or you gain a strain or a tractor token to use it, that's kind of an example of a more small little drawback you get to it. Right. Shifts with linked actions, you know, you can get two actions, uh, but then you get stressed, right? And so that's going to limit your uh, mobility the following turn. That's a minor drawback. Or ships um, can lose their focus action and have that replaced with a calculate action. We see this on all of our droid pilots. And of course, we know a calculate, well, it's not quite as good as a focus. You can only modify one focus result versus all of them. Uh, there we go. We did it. We explained how to use a focus token on the show. <laughs> there you go, Kevin. Um, check that <laughs> box off. <laughs> um, but the, So these are the smaller drawbacks. What we're talking about today, so when you hear us say drawback abilities, what we're more talking about is abilities that have a big negative effect to them that you have to work around, but on the other end, provide you with a strong benefit. Um, and we'll talk about the new examples of pilots in Sky Strike Academy later, because those are kind of prime examples of what we're talking about. We wanted to look at the other factions and cards that were already out, because the idea of drawback abilities isn't new to X-Wing. Right. They're not new, but they are kind of rare. It's kind of rare to have these substantial drawback abilities. Uh, but then suddenly we're getting two more um, pilots with pretty substantial drawback abilities. And so it's like, this feels like a great time to take a look back at all the other substantial drawback abilities that we do have uh, within the game. 
So a good place to start always is let's look at it faction by faction because we have just a couple examples here in each faction. And I think we've kind of set a pattern now where the first faction we talk about should always be the first order. It just makes sense. Yeah, how how have we not done that before? I don't I don't know what we were thinking. We were naive back then. We've grown it's a lot. It's just perfect. <laughs> what were we thinking? Why do rebels always get to go first? It it's, it says it right there in their name. They're the first order. Yeah, and speaking of perfect, we've got uh, Commander Malaris, the crew card, which is a good example of a drawback ability. It's a double-sided so card. It reads, set up, equip the side face up. While a friendly non-limited ship at range 0 to 1 performs a primary attack, that ship may reroll one blank result. If it does and the attack does not hit, you must flip this card over to Commander Malaris perfected. While you perform an attack, if the defender is in your bullseye, you must convert all focus results to hit results and gain one stress token. Then, if you have two or more stress tokens, suffer one damage. Yeah, so the first side of that card, the setup side, really really no drawbacks, right? I mean, the, the main drawback is having to flip to the other side, but that initial ability, you know, you get to reroll a blank result. Um, that's, that's pretty good. Reroll modifiers, as we know, uh, are always pretty good when it comes to you know, rolling those red dice, which is how you're going to do damage. Um, I guess once you get to that flip side and you're potentially doing damage to yourself is when that ability starts to get a little negative. Well, and I think, you know, one of the reasons we put this in the drawback ability category is damage to yourself or the risk of damage to yourself for an ability is one of the biggest drawbacks you could actually have. Like, that's one of the biggest costs you could incur. Yeah, it's not great, huh? No. <laughs> you want your ships to stay alive, stay on the table, uh, and dealing damage to yourself, that's not really what you inherently want with an ability uh but you get this nice trade-off of um being able to boost your attack and you know if you can't quite manage it and end up with too much stress well then you're going to take some damage right and since this is a mandatory ability it really like your opponent could also manipulate it right where they they want you to take that stress because maybe you're already stressed so they might fall into your bullseye which would be pretty wild at close range but at a distance wouldn't be that big of a deal I don't want to do their job for them, though. They can do damage to me. <laughs> Make them figure it out. So you probably don't want to fly uh, TN3465 either, John, huh? Probably not. I have yet to see this on the table. I don't think I've ever seen anyone fly it. Yeah, this one's a little bit harder to pull off. So 3465's ability, while another friendly ship performs an attack, if you're at range 0 to 1 of the defender, you may suffer one critical damage to change one of the attacker's results to a crit result. If this guy had multiple shields, sure, maybe, but it's just a tie FO. It's only one shield, three hull. You know, if you're going to suffer critical damage and take a direct hit and all of a sudden you're, you know, one health left, like, it feels bad. It's not really a good payoff. But counterpoint, you do have that one shield to use. <laughs> it's Ooh. true. The Imperial TIE Fighters don't have that. Uh, this ability is very similar to uh, Ruthless, the Imperial Talent card, where um, basically the same ability, but you can suffer a damage to change one of the die results into a hit result. Uh, I feel like we grouped that in here because they're fundamentally the same thing. And I think this is an example, too, where the um, this is like on the weaker end of drawback abilities because like it's the, the cost incurred is so strong and the result is not necessarily that good. And in general, maybe this is just kind of a blanket statement, but I feel like drawback abilities feel less bad like if you get more value out of them, right? So you oh, know, if you've got a ship that's you know got higher hit points and has those abilities to do damage to itself, um, 
I believe it's, I think it's like the Hera and Sagarera combo or whatever where you can do damage to yourself. Um, like on a big ship like that is fine, but like on a TIE fighter like this where you've got such little health, that ability is really only going to be valuable once, maybe twice, and then at that point you're you're in the red and that's not where you necessarily want to be. Right, so you kind of have to capitalize it early on or you're not going to get really get the benefit from it. I mean, if we look over, I mean, we talk about the First Order, so let's talk about the Resistance, right? Counterbalance that out. Uh, but if we look over at Lula Lampar, this is an example of a very good drawback ability. Right. Um, we've talked about Lula a lot, uh, mainly me, um, because I <laughs> tend to fly this A-wing um, quite often. And part of that is the ability is uh, very good. You know, whenever you're stressed, you roll one more attack die and roll one fewer defense die. Um, it's also just a really fun ability, too. So that just kind of always persuades me to put this ship on the table. Yeah, it's it's a case where, I mean, the drawback is substantial. Like, reducing your agility on a four-hit-point ship is pretty bad, especially when you're depending on those green dice for your defense. Um, but the payoff can be so good that you tend not to overthink it. Like, when I think of Lulo, I, don't, I know it is a drawback ability, but I don't really think of it as a drawback ability because the payoff can be so big sometimes that you don't really notice those turns where suddenly you're forced to uh, take extra damage. Right. We think about, oh, what do A-Wings always struggle with? Well, it's that ability to deal damage, right? They're limited by those two attack dice. And here we have an A-Wing that you know, in range one can roll up to four attack dice uh, with no secondary weapons. Like, that's awesome. Uh, but it does have that trade-off. You know, A-Wings also just have four hit points and can die pretty quickly. And, you know, when you're reducing your defense, sometimes your A-Wing does get destroyed in one shot. I rarely in my head even, like, think of Lulo as an A-Wing just because in my head he just always has three attack dice and two agility. Right. <laughs> Anytime it matters. Well, and this one I think is really cool because... You know, we think about, oh, stress, that's a little minor drawback. But when you think about, um, you know, the A-Wing design in general, well, you really always have these options to be stressed when you need to. Uh, but it's also really linked to your positioning, right? To get that second action, to get that boost or rotate, uh, that's when you're going to be stressing yourself. And so sometimes, you know, you really want um, to boost or rotate your arc, but also can't afford to reduce that agility and that's where like that pressure that it puts on the player i find like creates really fun kind of challenging puzzles that i as a player get to solve in game and i think that's entertaining and the upside is when i need to i can boost in or flip that arc and, and roll those four attack dice I mean, I mean, genuinely lulo is probably one of my favorite designed drawback abilities where i just feel like it's makes really interesting gameplay and makes really interesting decision making for both you the person flying Lula and you the person trying to manipulate the circumstances so Lulo's ability becomes a real drawback. Yeah, absolutely. I think it is like one of the best designed abilities because it does have that drawback and you mentioned both players do get to interact with that ability. And we we already talked about abilities that do damage to you being pretty bad. Um, and I, we have that ability built into the chassis of an entire ship for the resistance faction, uh, looking at that fireball ship chassis ability explosion with wings, where it basically just starts the game with a damage card on it. Yeah, so this one's interesting. So you start the game with a damage card, but when you perform a, a slam action, you can expose a damage card to remove the disarm. Um, and so this one's weird, because yes, it is an ability where you have to take damage, 
But I almost feel like it's not on the fireball because it just feels like it's a five hit point ship, you know, inherently, but it's just a six hit point ship that always takes a damage. So I feel like design wise, it feels like they could have just made this a five hit point ship. Right. So I don't I don't feel like the damage is the same as like the cost incurred from Ruthless or TN3465. Um, and, you know, slamming and removing the disarm, that can be pretty good. But the risk of whatever that card is, I mean, there are some pretty bad crits. So, sure, you know, you've got the ratio of good crits to bad crits, quote-unquote, however, but the fact that you could potentially just start the game with a direct hit on you, and then you slam, thinking you're going to get a really good shot, and then all of a sudden you're down to whatever, four, three health, like, that that feels bad. Right. Or, like, just all your other future damage cards roll in face up. That's also pretty bad. Yeah. Because um, you don't have the chance to expose them. So, yeah, there's definitely a huge drawback here. But at the same time, I mean, Slam, even with the Disarm token, is already one of the most powerful actions you can have, especially with a dial that's good like the Fireballs. Right. Well, and so that's where, you know, yes, we have this big drawback. We're starting with the damage card, and whenever we do that um, Slam that removes the Disarm, you know, we expose the damage card, but we have, I think, multiple upsides here. One, obviously, removing that disarm is great, but also that maneuver dial that we get with this ship, you know, ships that have the slam action have a reduced maneuver dial um, to account for that. But the fireball has, like, pretty amazing dial, even with that slam action. Lots of other factions to talk about, though. So let's flip over, go back in time, and look at the Republic. Um, one of the first ones is, um, I think, one of the more fun card designs. I actually do like the double card designs at X-Wing. And C-110P, or, I mean, Chopper, as he's eventually known, uh, the Astromech for the Republic, is pretty interesting. So the front side of this card reads, Set up, equip the side face up. After you execute a maneuver, you may spend one charge to perform a red evade action, even while stressed. During the end phase, if this card has zero active charges, flip it. And then, of course, on the flip side, after you execute a maneuver, you must choose a ship at range 0 to 1. It gains one jam token. Great when you've got a ship that you can jam. Uh, if not, you've got to jam yourself, which is never good. Yeah, pretty terrible. <laughs> um, and, that, yeah, that's a pretty big cost there. Well, And this one's funny, too, because it's like the negative side could be really negative for you. Um, but in the right circumstances, then it just makes the ship even more fun and interesting. Right. There's the potential for this card to be only upside, you know, getting those two evade actions when you need them. And then, you know, jamming your opponent ship every turn after that. Uh, but that requires you having uh, an opponent ship within range one every turn. And that's not an easy ask, especially when your opponent is also aware of that and able to uh, maneuver their ships accordingly. Right, because if you're, say you're a ship that normally only gets the one action, if you're getting jammed, that means you're getting, you know, no tokens on defense, and that's going to make you a really easy target. It's fun because I feel like you see this upgrade a lot on the Jedi, the ether sprites of whatever loadout you choose. Um, and I mean, Jedi don't care a whole lot about jam because they have those force to back up their roles. But, you know, if you're out of force and you don't have an evader or focus, then, you know, that jam token can feel pretty bad. Yeah, that force pull can dry up really fast. Uh, one of the other Republic ships I feel like has a huge drawback is the V-19 Torrent. I just feel like it's a drawback to have to fly that ship. No one asked you to fly the <laughs> Torrent, Tim. You didn't have to just... It looked so cool. 
you didn't have to just go after the it had potential like what did it do to you it was the it's those darn don't even get me started on those three red banks it's ridiculous it doesn't make any sense I feel like we've had this discussion so many times, like the merits of the generics, but like none of the named ones are any good. Like they're, they're all you bad. You get an extra hit point on your light fighter. Okay, what we, are you complaining about? Talking about the torn anymore feels like a drawback for this podcast. So we're going to go over it. Let's talk about the Ion Limiter Override. All right, really exciting. <laughs> so uh, the Ion Limiter Override is a newer card that came out. Um, it reads, after you fully execute a red maneuver, you may perform a barrel roll action even while stressed. If you do, roll an attack die. On a hit result, gain one strain. On a crit result, gain one ion token. Yeah, so this one, um, normally I wouldn't group like strain or stress in the category of these drawback abilities, but an ion token on the other case is can be pretty substantial because that'll just take away a whole turn for you. All right, I'm not convinced this is a substantial drawback, but... You know, you trained a little bit of mobility uh, for the chance to lose some mobility later. So it's it's on the smaller end. And, like, yeah, I could see, see the argument that this one is not falling into our definition of a real drawback ability. But it's on the cusp. And I think, you know, the risk of getting an ion token, invariably, whenever I go over, like, a debris field and I can only take damage on a crit, I do roll the crit. So I feel like there's just, like, the dice are magnetized to always generate crits when it's unlikely. Well, and all the ships you can put this on are almost all small base, which Ion is bad for. So, right, you get one token. Yeah, it's gotta in your be Tie Fighter, Tie Fighter, or a Nimbus class. All right, so opposite to the Republic, there we actually have one of my favorite drawback mechanic designs uh, in the game. On the separatist side, we have DBS four hundred four. Now, this is interesting that this one's your favorite because this is not different than uh, what we started with there looking at our drawback abilities feels very similar to you know ruthless or uh, tn 3465 um, dbs 404 you can perform primary attacks at range zero while you perform an attack at attack range zero to one you must roll one additional die after the attack hits suffer one critical damage uh, so the first part of this ability is all benefit right you can perform primary attacks at range zero that is strict benefit um, that's going to benefit you more than your opponent is. The second part, you must roll one extra die when you attack at range 0 to 1. Um, now, that gets tricky. So rolling attack dice, obviously rolling more of them is better. Um, but this is not an optional ability. And if your attack hits, you have to suffer a critical damage, which is pretty substantial. Right. And the hyena ship, it doesn't have any shields, right? So you're always going to feel that critical damage. It's always going to be a face-up damage card there. Uh, but here I think that big difference is, well, what are we getting for this setback? And it's always just going to be a really awesome attack uh, because DBS 404 you know, comes with three primary attack dice and that ability also works on your secondary weapons, you know, your advanced proton torpedoes. The payoff for you know one damage on your hyena, not that bad when you're going to just deal so much more damage uh, back with that attack. Well, and you're already attacking. If, like, if you're doing a primary attack at range zero or one there, um, you're already swinging with four dice, and I feel like that attack is going to potentially do so much damage that it's worth the crit and you know the relatively small cost you pay for this ship. It's interesting because it's like it's not that different, right, than like TN3465. No. Um, but the difference is like, DPS 404 like can just win games, right? That's like it's a substantial attack. Like you hit a certain threshold where that's just 
you get so far ahead with with these big attacks that the minor setback of dealing a little bit of damage it's not that big of a deal well, and I think, you know, the, the key difference here is that for uh, Ruthless or TN3465 is you're paying a substantial cost for maybe a benefit. In the case of 404, like, you have to hit, so you have to succeed at least a little bit in order to suffer the penalty. So even though the penalty is substantial, at least you know you succeeded in that case. Now, if you just did one regular damage and it clipped someone's shield, yeah, then the crit's probably going to hurt pretty bad. Still might be worth it. <laughs> All right, let's get over to the classic era here and talk about, uh, let's do the Rebel Alliance first, and we can talk about everyone's favorite X-Wing pilot, Jack Porkins. Yes, hero of the... Re- <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't even get yes, through that. Yes, the hero of the rebellion there, Jack Porkins. <laughs> uh, so red six, after you receive a stress token, you may roll one attack die to remove it. On a hit result, suffer one damage. This is like a classic example, I think, of a drawback ability where um, the risk of taking the damage, more than likely when you roll for that, you're probably not going to take damage because it has to be one of the three out of eight hit results. Um, and even if you do take damage, there, I think there are a lot of cases where shedding a stress result, like after a talent roll or a 4K, so that you then can get an action, that might be worth suffering a damage. And it is an X-Wing, so it's got plenty of health, a couple shields to back up, so... You know, the number of times you might get value out of it, maybe you're not even actually taking a damage card, which is worse than just straight-up suffering a damage. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's funny that this ability landed on Jack Porkins. Like, just of all the pilots, poor guy got, you know, five seconds of screen time. <laughs> and he's just known for suffering and taking risks. The uh, Rebels also have another great classic example of a drawback ability, though, with the Sagarera crew card. While you perform an attack, you may suffer one damage to change all of your focus results into crit results. I have never seen this on anything other than the Ghost. Right, well, there you're maximizing its efficiency, mm-hmm. right? Any sh- Those Rebel uh, big ships with the four attack dice... You know, this is um, a pretty big offensive modification. And yes, it does have a cost. Uh, You're losing a hit point there. And so who best to put it on? A ship that, you know, is rolling all of those attack dice that you can just modify all of them. Yeah, and obviously we never undermine the significance of taking that damage. But since there are so many good platforms to put this on where you can kind of mitigate that by having so many hit points... Um, I do think the payoff for this can be crazy good, and I've actually used it and seen it be really good, where, yeah, getting crit results for one damage, um, if you're attacking with, like, the four attack dice on the ghost, uh, that could be devastating to whatever you're shooting at. Well, and also on the ghost, you don't really even notice the drawback. You don't notice taking that one damage when you have so many hit points. Because when you're flying a ghost, you're just used to taking damage. That's just, like, the default state of flying that ship. Right, and this goes back to DBS 404, right? When you have such a substantial offense, um, taking a little bit of damage um, to make sure those attacks connect um, and put pressure on your opponent is generally uh, worth that trade-off. All right, so um, one of the weird things is I feel like we've talked about this a little bit, but um, Scum and Villainy should be the drawback mechanic faction, it feels like, but they don't actually have that many examples of like big drawback mechanics they probably have the weirdest one though right they do have um, perhaps the most interesting one where you know we've talked about oh taking one damage that's not great because you want your ships to stay on the table as long as possible uh but the autopilot drone has a pretty substantial drawback that makes it 
hard to stay on the table for <laughs> more than four turns. Yeah, so the uh, drone's uh, special ship ability, rigged energy cells. During the system phase, if you are not docked, lose one charge. You have three. At the end of the activation phase, if you have zero charges, you are destroyed. Before you are removed, each ship at range zero to one suffers one critical damage. So this is just a ticking time bomb. Beautifully simple. I love it. It is pretty fun. Well, and so this one's weird because it's like, yeah, you get three turns and then your ship's blowed up. Um, that's a pretty substantial cost. Um, this thing does have a lot going for it, though. The biggest being that it's only 12 points, which is insane. You can also dock it and just slow that ability down, too. Right. So, like, you can prime it, lose some charges, and then dock it so it's ready to go when you want to deploy it. Um, it does still have coordinate, which blows my mind, but... <laughs> Right, people pay 12 points, you know, for a talent that'll let them coordinate. Um, here's a whole ship with a built-in coordinate for 12 points. You just have to make sure you get those coordinates in early. I, this is just, like, one of the funnier drawback abilities because, like, there's just so much going on in this ship. Like, the drawbacks and the benefits are balanced so interestingly. It's like, yes, it only lives forever. Well, it might damage opponents when it blows up. It might damage you when it blows up. Well, it only has a calculate. Oh, it can still coordinate for those turns. Like, there's so many weird little things going on. Um, and then when I see that 12-point price tag, that's just nothing in X-Wing. It'd be extra funny if this pilot just didn't even have an action bar. I, that's what, I feel like it almost should, right? Like, it shouldn't just have an action bar. It shouldn't be able to attack. I don't know. No, it's great. It, it can coordinate to your ships, take actions for its own, you know, attack ships. It's great. I think one of my favorite scum drawback ability cards is the R5P8 Astromech, um, which, much like a lot of the other drawback abilities, gives you some sort of modifier. In this case, it's a reroll modifier. Um and then, you know, after you get to do that reroll, you roll an attack die. And if you roll a crit, then you suffer a critical damage. I do like these gambler um, drawbacks where, you know, sometimes they hurt you and sometimes they don't. And you really don't know until after you've used it. And I think that's fun, right? It creates this little mini game. Oh, do I need this mod? Can I risk it? And, you know, a crit, that's a one in eight chance. So generally you're going to risk it, but sometimes you, you can't quite afford that. Or that attack really doesn't matter that much, right? Yeah, this is a like a lower stakes drawback mechanic where like, yeah, the benefit isn't as big, but the penalty is pretty unlikely. Um, but it is interesting when you actually play it because like if you if you use this twice and you get a crit on one of those results, or even if you use it all three times, you get a crit that maybe didn't even pay for itself, right? Or like if you if you only got to reroll three dice, you might not have generated any damage with that, and then if you suffer a crit from that, that would probably wasn't worth the trade off. Right, but you might even have a whole tournament where you never uh, roll that crit, right? Right. Then you just got free modification. It's a, it's a real gamble there, because, yeah, totally worth it if you just never take that damage. So here's one that's maybe a little bit of a head-scratcher. So we, we talked a little bit about uh, Zuckus, his ability. So his pilot ability is he can roll an additional red die when he attacks, but his or the opponent or the defender gets to roll an additional green die for that attack. Which, you know, just looking at the words there, it does look pretty similar to Lulo, right? Okay, we're boosting offense, and in this case, the defender gets to roll an extra agility instead of you uh, rolling uh, one less agility there. Yeah, and for me, this is kind of where, um, when we talk about it, it, the definitions get a little bit foggy here between, okay, what does it have to be to be a drawback? 
Because it seems like, okay, yeah, them getting to roll extra defense seems like a drawback. But since they're so balanced here, um, maybe weighted a little bit towards an attack die because attack die are generally a little bit more useful than defense die. Uh, like, clearly the offensive benefit outweighs whatever defensive benefit the opponent's getting. Right. But is it a drawback because you're not really getting penalized, right? Not really. Okay, here's a question. If you're flying Zuckus, do you ever not use the ability? Ooh. I think John, it de- you probably know the math on this. I think it depends on what you're shooting, right? So if you're going to take, like, a range 3 obstructed shot at a Jedi Ether Sprite, no. I mean, why bother? Well, so why bother shooting it? Because at that point, (laughs) like I would say, yeah, give me more red dice because, like, they already have a substantial amount of green dice. Isn't the prevailing knowledge on this though? If you have, if you each have equal mods, like you each have a focus token, you still want to trigger this because you're more likely to get hits. Right. If they have mods and you have none, it might not be worth it because if they have a way to use that extra die and you don't necessarily, um, that might not be worth adding it on there. Ooh, here you go, Carson. You would never want to do this against the uh, Kyrax that if you don't roll exactly two defense dice, you get stressed. Which one is that? Okay. Graz? Graz the yes. Hunter? There you go. Um, In that case, it's still not a drawback ability. Yeah, because Graz will die. Right. <laughs> Goodbye, Graz. <laughs> and your opponent's playing Graz, so <laughs> there's a, there's an upside there. Um, They took their drawback before the game even started. <laughs> right, like Lulo's ability negatively impacts that ship, whereas Zuckus's like doesn't really negatively impact Zuckus at all, and generally always just boosts his offensive ability. It's not quite adding a full attack dice because they get that agility. It's like adding, I don't know, like half an attack dice or something. Right. It's, yeah, it seems more like a balancing point. I feel like in order for it to really be a drawback ability, it has to negatively impact the ship benefiting from the ability. Like, directly. Like, it has to impede them somehow. And Zuckus isn't really being impeded by the opponent rolling an extra die. All right. So that's it for drawbacks, substantial drawbacks that um, are already in the game. And so looking at those, we can think, okay, well, why why do we have these drawbacks? Obviously, we're getting some sort of benefit out of it. There's a trade-off. We get to have these cool abilities. And so, but part of the question is, you know, we can just do that with points, right? We can just change the points and have the right cost for ability. So why do why do we have these drawback abilities in there? Well, I think, um, and since, you know, there's relatively few examples of this, but there's a couple good reasons you'd want to include, I think, the designers would want to include drawback abilities. Um, it lets you play with some more powerful abilities. So there's some stuff where you'd want to put a powerful effect in the game, but the effect would be so powerful that if they costed it, you could never see it on a competitive table just because it wouldn't be practical for players to run. Well, if you if you pay that cost rather in points, if you pay it with a drawback on an ability, suddenly they could include that because there's a penalty that the player's paying other than points. And then we could see it, you know, at a competitive level or at a casual play level. Right. And part of that's like, you know, abilities aren't equal across all of their ships. And, and so like a hyena hits a certain point threshold where you're like, I don't know if I really want to take a hyena. Um, but, you know, when we add this drawback ability to DBS 404, well, suddenly you do get to take that exciting offensive ability, uh, but your ship might not stay around as long. And so it gets to be costed at a point where you do get to put it on the table. 
Well, I think uh, the two new examples we're getting of drawback abilities in the Sky Strike box, we have both the Darth Vader and the TIE Defender, where the drawback is you get three Force Charges, but you can only spend them on offense. Um, and then Sienna Ree, who is going to be an I-6 Interceptor, but part of her ability when she destroys a ship, uh, she gets a stress token, which can be really bad if you're an Interceptor and you're already stressed. What we're kind of where we're kind of at with that is Darth Vader in a tie defender. Um, if he just had three force charges and could spend them on defense, it would be impossible to do damage to that ship, right? Right, that would be insane, and you would never be able to price that effectively to be able to put that on the table, right? You still have to take two ships uh, at minimum, <laughs> minimum in your list, right? Darth Vader and one Academy pilot, and then for Maybe. Sienna, this yeah. one's interesting because we're kind of, we're kind of all under the assumption that Sienna Re at I six because of this pretty big drawback will be less expensive than like Sunterfell, also at I6 in the Interceptor. Um, and if that's true, then that's a cool trade-off there where like, yes, I can get the benefit of flying a higher initiative Interceptor, but I have to be careful about when I fire and if I destroy things. Right. I mean, Sunterfell's ability is cool and great, but most of that ship is just the Interceptor chassis moving at initiative six. Right. John, agree or disagree on that one? Agree. Definitely agree. Okay, cool. <laughs> it's ninety percent of what Sunterfell does, right? And so, you know, both of those Empire ships, it's we're looking at. Okay, we don't necessarily see a printed benefit, right? It's not like, oh, here's this cool extra ability they get in, in trade off with this negative aspect of their ability, but it's just the ships themselves that these Initiative Six pilots get to be in, right? Vader gets to bring Initiative Six and three Force to a defender. Uh, and so he has to have that restriction that he can only use that force on offense. And it's awesome to get another initiative six uh, interceptor pilot. Right. So like for Sienna, the benefit we're getting is that presumably she'll be less expensive and we can have another I-6 and not break the game. And the benefit Vader gets is that he gets to exist in the game. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and and I think we're all pretty happy with both of those Um like those are those are cool elements to put into this game, uh, and the other um, thing about drawback abilities that I think is just worth mentioning more is they're fun. They're just inherently fun, and, and it, it's kind of hard to like put a finger on. Okay, well, why are they fun? Um, you know, going back to Lulo, it's you know it gives you that that challenge to solve in game, and, and I think Sienna's going to uh, play a lot like that too. Where okay, I get this initiative six interceptor. Um, but sometimes I do have to be careful and, and think about, okay, do I want to take this attack here? Yeah, and I, th I think for a ship that can be as vulnerable as Sienna with just three hit points, like, if you get double stressed, that could be the end of your ship, even at full health. So, like, yeah, suddenly I'm like, ooh, I'm taking a range two shot, and it's got one hit point left, and I could kill it, but if I do, I'm double stressed, and then who knows what happens next turn. Um, so there will be some actual tough decision points, I think. Either way, I think uh, drawback abilities are something I would like to see more of in the game. Like, I would love for this to be a routine thing, you know, where we get higher initiative ships that just maybe has a pilot ability that's entirely negative, right? Like, that would be interesting. So um, I'm hoping we see more of this, and I'm looking forward to trying out CN and Darth Vader. Or even, like, some bad, like, generics where it's like they have this negative side, but they're even cheaper. Like, they're cheap. Like yeah. Actual, like, rookies, right? Um, with maybe, like, reduced um color on their maneuver dial or something opponent gets to re-roll an attack die because they're inaccurate right something like that <laughs> 
We want to know what your favorite drawback ability is in X-Wing, so please let us know on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash RadioTCX. And while you're there, you can feel free to like our Facebook page. Please consider going on iTunes and leaving the podcast a five-star review, saying what you liked and why you think other people should listen. And if you want to support the show directly, please consider going on to patreon.com slash RadioTCX and becoming a supporter of the show today. It really means so much to us, and thank you to everyone who's already supported the show. Again, folks, thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you next week.